Well, we've been taking a journey through a series over the last month or so on the fact that we are designed to work, each one of us, and we see that as something that God has, has created us to, to do, not a result of, of the fall or the consequence of sin, but that each one of us are created to work for the glory of God and that we would value work like God does. And we do know that a curse fell uh, upon us uh, in many ways, and one of the ways it affects work. And so work is, is hard. Work is difficult. And uh, we work uh, with uh, sinful people, and uh, we work in hard, difficult places, and, and uh, sometimes um, work can be um, hard for us to go to on Monday mornings. And, uh, but we're to honor the Lord. And we're also to have an influence. And so today what I would love to talk about is, is seeing work as a mission field, that our workplace is a mission field. Often when we think of the mission field, we think of those who maybe go overseas and, and work in other countries. They're called to be missionaries. But as one has said, uh, when we think about the mission field, your mission field is the land between your two feet. And so think about it this way. Where, where do your two feet spend most of the time? place where you work, right? Sure, at home, yes, but also our, our place of work. And for some of us, uh, that is at home. For some of us who work in the home, our, our place of work in influence is in the home. Uh, for some of us, it's the place we go to Monday morning or wherever it, or whenever it may be during the week. It's that place of work, our mission field. In fact, with Jesus, uh, we see that he had 132 public appearances in the New Testament. Um, 122 of those, if you look closely, were in the workplace. You think about Jesus as well, he shared 52 parables that he told to others, and 45 of those parables had a workplace context when you look deep at them. You see, Jesus used the workplace as the setting to reach many people, and he longs for each one of us to do the same as well. I believe the workplace is the most strategic place for sharing the gospel here in the U.S., and every workplace follower of Christ has an opportunity that's unprecedented than any other place, that where you and I can be significant spiritual influencers in the lives of other people whom we work with. And so today what I want us to look at is the influence we can have at our place of work. And so to do that, I want to look at Colossians chapter 4, all right, verse 2 through 6, and look at Paul's words here to the church at Colossae, and look what he says in verse 2. He, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. And so the first thing I want us to see today when it comes to our workplace and being an influence is before we can talk to people about Jesus, we need to talk to Jesus, okay? We need to talk to Jesus. We need to be people who are devoted to Prayer, because prayer is essential for our work in general, but nowhere is it more important than helping people along the way toward Jesus Christ. And so before we talk to people about Jesus, we need to talk to Jesus about people we work with. And so when you look at the early church, when you look at the life of Paul, when you look at the work of the gospel, what do we see? I mean, if you see in Acts 1, we see a group of 120 disciples of Jesus Christ gathered together, devoted to what? Prayer. To prayer. 
Prayer was the key, was, was the vital ingredient in the life of every Christian in the early church. They believed prayer was essential to their mission to carry the message of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that's why Paul says here that we are to be devoted, literally attentive to or persevering in prayer. And how do we pray? He says here, keeping alert. Yeah, that, that could mean staying awake, right? Jesus' disciples had some issues with that. Maybe we have some issues with that at times. Um, but the idea is that we're to be on the lookout, right? We're, we're to be aware of things around us, people around us, and, and keep alert, praying with specific needs in mind. And so really what Paul's doing is he's protecting us from just those flippant prayers, um, those, those prayers that aren't specific, um, and, and, and just checking off, off a box type prayers, but instead he wants us to be mindful of the needs around us. So keeping alert, praying for people. And then how do we pray? He says, with thanksgiving. A theme in, in Colossians, by the way, is, is gratitude, is thanksgiving. And so Paul says, as we pray, we're to be thankful. Thankful for God's presence and his nearness. And so in our place of work, God is there. He is with us as we go. And so we're thankful for that. His provision, his salvation, uh, his promises, his purposes. We're thankful for all these things. We're even thankful, developing an attitude and gratitude for the people that we work with. Some of the things that people have shared with me through this series, um, for the most part, is related to other people at work. And, and necessarily, maybe not our, our job is hard in itself for the work we do, but, but the people we work with sometimes and most of the time seem to be the hardest thing. And so I think applicable here is asking the Lord, Lord, will you give me an attitude of thankfulness for the people I work for so that it would change our attitude? And so Paul says pray that way. Pray keeping alert Pray with thanksgiving and pray, I think specifically he says, look at verse three through four, this way, right? Look what he says. He says, praying at the same time for us as well. So I want to pause there for a second. You remember where Paul is writing this letter? He's writing from prison. Now his prison isn't this, this hard time type deal in, in, a, in a dungeon in this case, right? It, it's, it's more like a house arrest type deal. So he's got some partners in the faith with him. Um, but he's praying for them as, as well. And so who could those people be? People with him, but also verses 7 to the end of this letter. I think Paul has those people in mind as well. But he says, praying at the same time for us as well, and here's what he's praying, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And so, so Paul is saying here, one of the things that he's praying for, he, he wants the church to be praying for, and it's, my, it's good for us to think as well, to be praying for not only ourselves, but for others in this church to have an influence in their workplace. And, and what's the influence for specifically? Look at these words. He says, for the word and to speak forth the mystery of Christ. He's speaking of the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ, the message of Christ that he came to die for sinners and that he came to give his life as a substitute and he died on the cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven 
And those who turn to him and believe in him and trust in him and believe in his resurrection on the third day he rose again and believe that he conquered death. And he did that for them. Those who believe that, right, are now called sons and daughters of him. They're saved. They have salvation. And it's a work that God does that no one can earn on their own, right? But God gives them this gift of salvation, of eternal life. And so that's the message that Paul is sharing. And Paul is saying, hey, we pray for us that God would what? Open a door, a door of opportunity. So who's, he, who, who's doing the work here, right? God is. God is sovereign over all things. He's the one who draws people to himself for salvation, right? You and I do not do that, right? God does that. And Paul is saying here, pray that God opens up a door, an opportunity, so that we would be able to share the gospel. You see, God does the work, but he uses us to be the messengers, right? He uses us to be the messengers. At the end of Paul's first missionary journey, he and Barnabas reported to the church these things. All things that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of the faith to the Gentiles. Right? That's Acts 14.27. And so Paul believed that God was the one who opens door to people so that we could share and speak forth the mystery of Christ. So Paul wrote this letter as he was in prison. He saw that he was there for the sake of the gospel. For some of us, we may feel like our places of work are prisons, right? <laughs> Sometimes work can be hard. It can be tough. Maybe we don't like to be there. But Paul saw even this place of imprisonment, that he was there for a purpose. Just like in your workplace, you're there for a purpose. To speak forth, to share forth the mystery of the gospel. In Acts 28, 30 through 31, we see Paul's heart here. It says, he stayed two full years in his own written quarters And he was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God, teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness, and he was unhindered. God gave him the blessing of that, even in this situation of being in this house arrest type situation, that he was free to share the gospel. And so for Paul, there was no devastating circumstances for him, only unique opportunities. And oh, that we would see our places of work the same way and pray for opportunities, pray for open doors to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then look at verse five through six. He says here, to conduct ourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. And that's the emphasis there, making the most of our opportunity. Paul says this in another place as well, in Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, when he's talking about us walking in the spirit. Right, walking in the Spirit and making the most of our time, redeeming time. And he says this here as well. And so look at verse 5. Conduct yourselves or walk with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, and let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. So the emphasis here is our conduct, how we work, the life We live in the workplace. It is important. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you remember what Jesus told his disciples? He told them who they were. He he told them their identity. And listen to what he says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And by the way, that's for every believer in here. 
If you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you go to work every day, you have a power within you that's greater than the power in this world. You, you go in that spirit. You go in that power. And so Jesus was telling his disciples that. And he says, you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the remotest parts of the world. You know what he tells them here? This is who you are. You are my witnesses. This isn't a verb here. This is a noun. He's saying this is who you are. You are my witnesses. And so as you go to Jerusalem, as you go to Judea, Samaria, and the remotest parts of the world, the world, this is who you are. And so as you go to that workplace, this is who you are to be. You are my witnesses. And so Paul does this. He describes the kind of witness that attracts people to Jesus in verses 5 and 6. And note here that the actions precede words in his instructions. As he says, conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders. He says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. And so what does acting wisely imply here? I think Paul's words here seem to indicate that there is a cause-effect relationship. Do you see that in the text? Between our actions and a person's curiosity about our faith. You see, the way we act along with our gracious conversation creates a curiosity in people around us who are observing us daily, especially in the workplace. That curiosity invites an answer from us. And we see that in the text. That is to be wisely tailored to impart truth in response to questions or conversations that come about. So here's the question. What is it that causes men and women to be curious about our faith. And I think these, there's three things. When we think about the workplace, when we think about this text in particular, that come to mind. And the first one is this. What, what, what causes people to be curious about our faith? And here's the first thought. If we want people to pay attention to our faith in the workplace, we must pay attention to our work. So here's what that means. We gotta be good workers. We gotta work good. I mean, if you're a, a lazy, cut the corner, working for the paycheck, just looking to get out quick worker, how are they going to see Jesus in you? Remember, Jesus wants you to work unto him for the glory of God, right? We talked a little bit about this last week as well. Our ethics and our purity, it matters at work. Our character, how we work is important. And so we must do good work. Whatever the work is, how minute, how, how, how small it is, we, we must be good workers. We must be good workers. The second thing, if we want people to be curious about our faith, is we must be people of godly character. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect. Right? Doesn't mean we're perfect. But what makes people interested in Jesus is seeing Jesus in us. They see that we are different, right? Both in what we say and what we do reveal what's inside of us. And so people notice that. People see that. And so if you go back to the text, look at verse 5. He's telling us to conduct ourselves with wisdom or to walk wisely, right? Toward who? Outsiders. Okay. Outsiders. Who are these outsiders? Uh, Jesus defined these outsiders, and 
in one mind, they're, they're Gentiles, those who are not Jews, are outside the faith. But, but Jesus went a little further in Mark chapter 4, verse 11 through 12. Jesus said, it's those who do not perceive nor understand the mystery of the kingdom or the gospel. So it's those who do not understand the gospel, who do not know the gospel, have not trusted in Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. So the question is with this, this godly character, how do we walk wisely among outsiders? Because according to Numbers, right, not, not the book of Numbers, right, but stats is this, that, that about 90% or more of people in your place of work are unsaved, do not know Jesus, okay? And so when we think of outsiders, I mean, that's what we're thinking of here. So how do we walk wisely among people in our workplace, that don't know Christ. I think the first thing is, is we walk in the fear of the Lord. We, we walk in a way that honors God. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we think about walking wisely, first we must understand, we must revere and honor God, and we must do so in how we live. How we live. And so that's the beginning of walking wisely. right? The second thing is, Walking in wisdom involves properly evaluating circumstances and making godly decisions. It requires us to think, how should I respond to this in a godly way? Because what we are and how we live gives credibility to what we say. And I think that's what Paul has in mind here. So if we're going to share the gospel with others, we must have a lifestyle that matches our words as well. And so third, though, how do we walk in wisdom is we are wise with our Speech. That's what he says in verse 6. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. John MacArthur says this. I, I love this. He says, consistency of life must be followed by consistency of speech. Our speech is to be savory, used as a vessel capable of cultivating and producing fruit in another. Have you ever thought about your words that way? How impactful your words are in the presence of others and to others? Huge. Huge. There's a text in Ephesians 6, and it says to dads, do not exasperate your kids. I love that word, exasperate. Exasperate is the idea of, of taking the wind out of the life of your kids or taking the life out or the breath out of the life of whatever, right? And we can do that with our words. And so Paul had in mind with dads in particular, with their kids, instead of taking the wind out of their sail, so think of a sailboat out on a lake or an ocean, and so how the wind blows and causes the sailboat to go, as, as dads, as parents, we can either take the wind out of their sails or we can be that wind and encourage them and edify them with those words. And that's the kind of impact we all have with others, siblings to siblings as well. But especially around other people in the workplace as well, that, that we can, with our words, have a positive influence or a very negative influence. And so Paul says in Ephesians 4.29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good 
for edification. Edification means to build someone up. That's the idea of, of like being the wind to someone else's sails. Encouraging them according to the need of the moment that it may give grace to those who hear. Parents, do you ever say to your kids, if you can't say anything good at all, don't say anything? You ever say that? I think that's what Paul kind of has in mind here. But for the need of the moment, say something gracious to edify them. This means when we speak, it is to be spiritual, not merely secular. Wholesome, not impure. Fitting, not erratic. Kind, not rude. Sensitive, not insensitive. Purposeful, not wasteful. Complimentary, not envious. Gentle, not harsh. Truthful, not dishonest. Loving, not hurtful. And thoughtful instead of mindless. That's what Paul has in mind. So we must know how to say the right thing at the right time. And Paul says our speech is important to our influence and our impact to others. And so now back to the third thing. That, that was how do we walk wisely, right? To where people are curious about our faith. And it involves those three things. If we go back upwards, our, our speech Evaluating circumstances and making godly decisions. And the first one we started with, walking in the fear of the Lord when it comes to our godly character. And the third thing is specifically, I want us to see this, is how we treat other people is incredibly important. Look at verse 6 at the end. He says, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Relationships are vital, important. When it comes to our influence, someone rightly said that people don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. You see, the quality of our relationships will determine the quality of our influence. And Paul knew that very well. Relationships are vital. How we treat people is incredibly important. And so when we think about this, there were to be people who who pray, people who live in such a way that causes people to be curious about our faith. I also want us to be mindful of this, that you and I are one link in the chain of influencing other people. We can see from this text, we can see from passages in the book of Acts especially, that this pressured in-your-face evangelism is not what God wants us to do. But instead, we're to be wise, we're to be gracious, like we see in verses 5 through 6. More often than not, what we see with evangelism, of sharing the gospel, is with people, sometimes it's this long-term process with some. Not with all, but in some cases, in a lot of cases, it, it seems to be that God uses multiple people to cross people's paths multiple circumstances, multiple influences. In fact, one has said, and it's been studied, that anywhere from 9 to 16 people will have an influence in someone's life before they come to trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So think about that. What that means is for some of us, we may be the first one who has an influence of Christ in another's life and maybe even sharing the gospel with someone and so that encourages us where we think, okay, they didn't 
trusting Christ right away. Well, you may be that one or two or that third link in the chain of what God is using before he draws them to himself. You may be in the middle. You, you may be the last one, and, and, and you may get the great opportunity of, of seeing them testify Jesus is their Lord and Savior. But whatever the case, God wants us to be part of that chain. He wants us to be that influence in another people's life. Think about it this way. You could be early on in influencing someone when it comes to the gospel, and it could be someone who is very skeptical, Someone who has nothing to do with church, they don't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. In fact, they may have a view of all Christians that are all jerks, right? And you could maybe be that one that changes their view with your conduct, with your speech, like Paul is talking about at work. As believers, and as we see in the early church, they understood this very well as to one that has been given much, much is required. And in the early church, as they went through their day doing their work and interacting with people in their community, they looked for opportunities to make the most of their time, to talk about what it's like to be a child of God, to share their testimony. I don't believe it necessarily was formal. I don't think it was at all pushy. But in the relaxed, natural conversation that happens between coworkers, and as Paul tells us, to make the most of every opportunity. If what we said about spiritual influence is true, then every interaction with people we encounter at work is spiritually significant. Have you ever thought about that? Everything we do, how we work, what we say, everything. This doesn't mean that we're always looking for an angle to get an opportunity to, to get you know, the three circles in, right? But sometimes it may be, Right? Remember, we're to be wise and to make the most of every opportunity. So here's what I think that, that means and, and what it means that we should not do. We've got to be careful of. I, I think these can be what you can maybe call maybe some foolish approaches, right? So here's what I would say. First of all, we cannot fail to build trust, right? Because I think that what, what can be unwise in some circumstances is, you know, maybe there's this new person at work. The first thing we think is, man, I'm going to get on this pretty early with this one, right? And so I take the first opportunity. I get, I get maybe two sentences in and tell them a little bit about me and what I do. And then, and then I say, all right, can I share with you this? But have we built trust? Have we, have we built any connection, right? And so I think we, we have to be mindful of that, to build trust. Remember that people need to see the gospel lived out as we see with Paul here. Second thing is, is build a relationship connected to the first. Take time to see where people are on their spiritual journey. Take time to get to know people that you work with. And then as those opportunities come, and this is the third one, don't fail to share the gospel. Don't fail. I think this is all part in being wise. When the opportunity is there, take the opportunity to be that witness in speech and to tell, to speak of the gospel. As you have built that relationship, as you have built that trust, and it may come early on as getting to know somebody. 
but to be faithful to share the gospel. And so as we close, I, w- I want two questions for us to ask. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning, for some of us, you will step out your door into the most strategic place for spiritual impact in our culture. It's our workplace. Your workplace is your mission field. Your life is a witness for Christ, positively or negatively there. So two questions to think about. Who's watching you? Who's watching you at work? Management? Fellow co-workers, employees across the way, someone across the cubicle? Who comes to mind when you think about people who see what you do, how you work, how you live, what you say? Who comes to mind? And here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray. I want us to pray for those people that come to your mind. And so this morning, maybe as I'm praying, I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, maybe you just want to whisper their names. And then translate this to your daily time. And maybe it's on your way to work every morning or when you get up. Start praying these things for the people you work with. And so right now, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I just want to pray these things over the people that you work with, that you're there maybe whispering or maybe even jotting down these things. And then I'll, I'll send some of these things out so they can be kind of a guide for you this week and maybe daily. But let me pray for the people you work with. And let's do it together as you mention and bring these people before the Lord. And so 